Well, thanks for joining us for our online service today. I want to take some time today to teach about gathering. Now, I'm not talking about gathering online or via distance. I'm talking about gathering in person, bringing the church community together. Oh, the irony of the pastor preaching to the online service about gathering in person. But I want to remind us and myself about the biblical foundations for why we gather as a church, as the church. It's just so special when we gather for church. Uh, And that word gather, it's not about an event. It's about a gathering of God's people in one place at one time. And maybe you've been in a church service before, maybe ours. We, We try to avoid cliches, but maybe you've been in a church service where the host has said, There's just something special about uh, gathering for church. And you ask the question, well, what is it? What's so special about it? Is it just a lecture? Is it just music? Is it just uh, a conscience easer that, oh, I went to church? Well, surely, uh, maybe if you were raised uh, being taken to church. I wasn't, but if you were raised being taken to church every week by mom and dad, you're dragging your feet there and, and you didn't like it or or you've been dragged along by like the hype of events and guest speakers and all that kind of stuff, or the fear of missing out, or, or the constant texts from your pastor, eventually we all have to come to an understanding, a mature understanding of why it is that we should prioritize gathering for church. Why? Why it is. Whys are so important, right? For your spiritual development, for your maturity, for your marriage, for your kids, why, for the cause of Christ. Why is it so important that we gather for church? Now, just a disclaimer. I, as a pastor of a church plant, have motives for why I'm teaching this today. Okay, whether you're a visitor with us or whether you're a church member at Everyone Church, firstly, I really feel led of the Lord to speak uh, to teach on gathering. Okay? Uh, that's always the the primary motivation for us when we when we're deciding what to preach is what is the Lord going to want us to teach. But also, I just as I speak to other pastor friends and as we have moved to weekly in-person services, it's interesting to see the trends in attendance for church gatherings, whether it's connect groups, uh, whether it's meals, whether it's a service. Um, And just, you know, some of the stats I've seen, less than 40% of a church's role comes to any given church gathering. Think about that. Less than 40%. Why is that? And in many churches, uh, the post-pandemic attendance has not recovered. Okay? Now, I'm not just talking about bums on seats. Or crowds. Like, I mean, we're a church plant. We don't have a crowd. <laughs> if you're saying, oh, this guy just wants bums on seats. What? Like, honestly, like it's, it's much deeper than that. Uh, and we are in the early stages of building something that is uh, going to impact our community for many decades, we believe. Uh, God willing, that this church will become a great lighthouse in our city, in our region. And it's very difficult to build community when you're not there. That's just being frank. When people, when we don't get together in the room, it's very difficult to be interweaved together. And we all need to remember that the enemy would love to have us divided. The enemy would love to have us never reap the benefits of good, godly gathering, because there are many 
benefits. And and hear our heart today as pastors. Hear my heart, Maria's heart today. Uh, We, uh, just like any other area of the Christian life, prayer, Bible reading, purity, uh, worship, character, giving, finances, we all need to come back to what Scripture encourages us to do as Christians and how it encourages us to live, right? That's what we build our life on, what God says. Not what I feel, not my convenience, what God says. So what does Scripture say in the area of gathering together? And I pray, if you are a Christian today, or, or maybe you have given up on gathering for church or gathering in the community of Christ, I pray that this message encourages and challenges you, uh, that, that you wouldn't feel condemned, but you would feel drawn in to something that is amazing to be part of the family of God. There is nothing like it in the earth today. So let's get to it. Gathering is a biblical pattern. The first point I want to make, gathering is a biblical pattern. Let me show you. Uh, In the Old Testament, uh, when God delivered his people out of Egypt, there were slaves in Egypt, they came out. It was on the promise of being able to gather at the mountain of God, at Mount Sinai, where Moses encountered God in the burning bush. Uh, And after that, the Israelites, they left Egypt miraculously. God delivered them. Uh, They were in the wilderness and they gathered in this unique way where Moses would go into this tent of meeting, which was where God's presence was. He would go through this curtain into the tent of meeting and everyone would kind of watch it happen. We read about this in Exodus 33, verse 8 to 11. Check this out. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So picture this, and I have a picture here to kind of show you what this was like. One man goes in and meets with God in one place while all the people watch from their own tent. A little bit like online church kind of thing. But it's an interesting way to gather, isn't it? Okay. Uh, And later, that place of worship would become a more permanent place in the form of a temple. And the pattern was still the same. It was to gather in one place at one time as God's people in God's presence, near God's presence. It was, they call it the designated place of worship. Okay. The designated place of worship. And the Old Testament pattern is summed up as this, God's people meeting in one place at one time. And there were festivals and pilgrimages all aimed at gathering God's people. They would travel from distant lands to gather in the designated place of worship. Isn't that interesting? Now, how does this change in the New Testament? Okay, well, Jesus is asked about this very topic by the, a Samaritan woman. Uh, and she asks him this in John chapter 4, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? While well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. And Jesus goes on to explain how the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So the emphasis moves. So 
this gathering in the Old Testament, the gathering in one place at one time at this designated place of worship to gathering in many places in the New Testament, many places at many times. And all these gatherings are unified by their focus on Jesus' name and lifting him up and encouraging one another. But here's the thing. There's still gatherings. Okay. Uh, The point I'm trying to make here is gathering is a biblical pattern, not scattering gathering. And some people read what Jesus says there and they use it as almost like this anti-establishment thing of like, yep, that's right. We can just all meet individually. We can just, uh, but no, no, no. Jesus wasn't dismissing the pattern of gatherings. He was expanding the places. He was expanding where this could happen, where this could take place. He was dismissing the concept of God's presence being in one place only. And we see that when Jesus gives his life on the cross, as he dies, Matthew records this in Matthew 27, verse 51. It says, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What is this curtain? Well, this is the curtain that separated normal people like us from the presence of God. It was this huge, thick curtain that the priest would walk through to enter the presence of God, much like the curtain that Moses would walk through at the tent of meeting in the Old Testament, remember? Uh, And this is where God's presence was and only qualified certain people could enter God's presence. And this curtain breaks in two, tears in two. It's a miracle as Jesus gives his life on the cross. And it signifies the release of God's presence to everyone everywhere. Now, was this curtain torn so that God's presence could get out? Or was it so his people could come in? Was this about expanding the range of individual access to God's manifest presence? Or was it about an invitation to draw us together toward him? Well, the answer is both and. And I I want to get to our real core scripture for today, which talks about this in Hebrews chapter 10, starting from verse 19, and we read about this concept of this curtain separating us from God's presence. Because, you know, when we gather, it's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. This is primarily the the reason why we gather is for him, to encourage each other toward him. Okay? So it says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain. Notice, talking about the curtain here. Through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. The curtain that was torn It was a representation of the separation between us and God. And because of what Jesus did, it's no longer there. We can boldly enter. The curtain now is Jesus. We enter God's presence through him and through what he has done. So let's continue the read in, in verse 23. Where does the emphasis go? It's just talking about entering God's presence. Well, right after it says this in verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing 
near. So the point is this. The writer in Hebrews is telling us we can enter God's presence. And guess what? We should do it together. We should do it together. It's not just about, you know, in, in our current uh, uh, world, postmodern world, it's all about the individual. It's individualization. It's all about me. It's like the curtain was broken so that I could waltz in, but we're missing the us. The, the us, the, there is power in the us. God is calling us together. We should do it together. It's, it's a biblical foundation here. The Greek word used in the New Testament for the gathering of God's people is this word ecclesia, which is not a reference to a building, but a gathering of people, an assembly. And the other word that was used around that time was this word synagogue, whereas where the Jews would gather in the synagogue. And uh, scholars tell us that early Christians avoided this word and adopted the word ecclesia instead because of its synagogue had a Jewish association and was an association with a building. But the ecclesia was about the gathering of the people of God, the family of God, anywhere, anytime. And some of these early churches too in the New Testament were quite large, in the thousands, and they gathered together. The point is here, God is into gatherings. And gathering is a biblical principle and pattern. And with that pattern of gathering, there's a promise. There's a promise. Lots of P's here today. With the pattern and principle of gathering, there is a promise. And we see that promise in Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them, Jesus says. And I know modern Christianity, it's all about the, I can just be in my car with the worship on and have the podcast and it's just me and the Lord and it's me and him and we're missing, we're out of balance here. We're missing the us. We're missing the the power of that corporate gathering of encouraging one another, how our faith, you know, faith isn't just an individual thing. Faith can be passed on. Faith can be shared. Faith can be encouraged as we gather together. It's like that old picture of the embers in the fire, right? As they're together, they, they their heat works off one another and they keep each other warm. You take a coal out of the fire, it can't sustain itself by itself, right? We're meant to be together. We're meant to be encouraging one another. It's like, you know, our faith, it's, it's not just an individual thing, No, faith can be transferred, can be encouraged, can be cheered on, can be pressed and encouraged to move forward. This is what we're talking about, gathering together. Jesus spoke to gatherings of people. Pentecost was a gathering of people. The New Testament churches were gatherings. The Apostle Paul sought out gatherings of people to share the gospel. God is into gatherings. Okay, It's a biblical principle. And there's a special sense of God's presence as we gather together as his people, that can't be replicated via distance. It can't be. You know, there's all sorts of gatherings in church life, coffee, meals, connect groups, all of which are very valuable. Alpha, come on, get to alpha. It's a great sense of gathering there. Having meals together is important. Jesus did it all the time. He encouraged us to break bread. Notice he doesn't say, hey, where two or three uh, have a church service in my name, I will be there. No, he says where two or three gather. It's a very broad term. So underneath this principle of gathering together is this end goal of being knitted together in community. I love that picture of of us being knitted together as a community, like a fishing net, like all knitted together, interweaved together in a community. Uh, And, you know, we will never be interweaved in community when we're always apart, when we're always apart. You know, I always found 
it's so interesting when you have like the the express attenders to church. They come in in like the third song of a church service. They leave during the closing prayer, uh, and and they just never get part of the community. That's not the kind of church we're a part of. Everyone church is a community centric church. We're not meant to be like the Flash, where we come in or or we come once every seven months. That's not what. We're called to do. We're called to gather as regularly as we can. Make it a principle in your life. It's not going to help you mature spiritually. It's not going to help you find faith friends if you don't gather. Amen? And if you aren't gathering, you're robbing yourself of so much of what God has promised in that principle of gathering. Church isn't all about the service, but I will say the service is a great opportunity, particularly for a church of our size. We need to understand why that gathering is so important. I mean, so much happens in the meeting, worshiping, teaching, praying together as a church in a service. Many of us made commitments to Christ in a church service. Many of us have been encouraged in a church service. Many of us have received a prophetic word in a church service or have had our children dedicated in a church service. Come on, Let, let's, it's so special when we gather together. Let's not just, just dismiss, oh yeah, it's not important, it's not important. I can just get on a podcast. No, you can't. There's special things that happen in a church service. So if it's so special that God would want to promise his presence with us, Jesus said, I am there among them when they gather, then if it's a priority to him, to God, that he would promise to be with us, then it should be a priority to me. Absolutely. And this isn't a pastor's plea to fill seats. This is a pastor's plea to position yourself where God would want to grow you, change you, mold you, help you. It's not about photo ops and social media likes. No, it's about being knitted together in community. You know, it's about, I just love that picture of the church community being knitted together. When we gather, we're being knitted together. When we gather, we help keep each other accountable. When we gather, we encourage one another. So if you're avoiding gathering because of discouragement, oh, I just haven't been doing, don't buy that. That's a lie of the enemy. Don't buy it, mate. Get amongst the community of Christ. Come on. And one of the biggest reasons why we gather, which is so important, is so that we can be united for the cause of Christ. We are so much better together. It says in Hebrews 10, 24, we just read it before. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. So with that, let's gather together for church, for Alpha, for a meal. Gather together. Let's get together. You know, Charles Dewey wrote a book called The Power of Habit. And it talks about the power of habit and how we change our habits. But he he mentions this concept called a keystone habit. And I've mentioned it before at church from time to time. But a keystone habit and what what a keystone habit is, is, is a behavior. It's something that we do that has a trickle on effect to all these other things. For example, it can be very simple and practical. For example, someone who gets up and drinks a huge glass of water first thing in the morning. The habit of drinking a huge glass of water every single morning. Well, studies show us that it has all these trickle-on effects. It helps your metabolism. You, you, you don't overeat at breakfast. It, you know, Or people who exercise every day. Mate, that's a huge keystone habit. It has all these effects of you think about what you're eating, you know, all these types of things. Let me tell you something. A keystone habit for a Christian, gathering with the people of God. Gathering with, I can't 
encourage you enough. If you set, I want to challenge you today. Set a set a goal. I'm going to get in church every Sunday for the next month, and you watch how much it matures you, how much it encourages you. Come on, let's not give up meeting together. Can I pray for you? Come on, Lord, I thank you for our church. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather. I think about all the times we were locked down and and on online, but the, Lord, we have the opportunity to gather. And I, I pray that you would help us be knitted together as a church community for your glory and for your kingdom to go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for online church. Get to church. Come on, check out our website. We have all our upcoming events and gatherings. Get together, come for a meal, hang out, get to Alpha, invite someone. We would love to have you join the journey with us. Have a great week.